and welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and today is the week in review for the week of January 24th, 2020. I hope you all had a wonderful week. I didn't have a bad one myself, but before I get to the weekend review, let's talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble coming up this Sunday. That's the kickoff to WrestleMania season. Match card looks like this right now. We have the men's and women's Royal Rumble match. Also, the fiend Bray Wyatt defending his Universal Championship against Daniel Bryan. Becky Lynch defending her Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. King Corbin versus Roman Reigns in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Shorty G versus Sheamus. Chad Gable. Bailey defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against the sassy Southern Belle, Lacey Evans, and then Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo. And at first look at this card, it is not very interesting to me. As a couple of these matches are from SmackDown, I don't get to watch SmackDown really all that often. And the Roman Reigns, King Corbin stuff's dragged on for quite a while. Shorty G versus Sheamus, that's just got kicked off. It just a lot of these matches on this card don't really interest me, in all in my opinion. At least the Bailey Lacey Evans one's been built up semi well, and Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. But I'm more interested in the men's and the men's Royal Rumble match, and then the Raw Women's Championship match. Those intrigue me the most because Becky Lynch and Asuka had a pretty good match at last year's Royal Rumble, and I don't know how they're going to follow that up this year. The Men's Royal Rumble, it's oh, it's open. I think it's pretty open right now, and personally, I'd like to see Drew McIntyre win. If they're going to do that, I don't know. I have no idea if they're going to really do that, and I forgot to mention the Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan match for the Universal Championship is a strap match. And the and go back to the Royal Rumble. I don't know if Drew's going to win, but if he doesn't win, I think he eliminates Brock. He's been he's been riding a wave of momentum re- recently. He's been riding a wave of momentum recently and it it's feeling like he's going to be the guy to do it. I hope they do because he he's kind of gotten these stop-start pushes here this year and well the last couple of years since he's been brought up to the main roster I think 2018 he's never gotten a full-fledged push and I think this is the time to do it he's over with the fans he's got this renewed energy as a baby face and I really think this is the opportunity and the time to do it to go all in on Drew McIntyre that's just my opinion take it or leave it We start out this week in review with Rawls. I'll cover Raw, AEW Dynamite, and NWA Power. And we start out with Rollins, AOP, and Buddy Murphy dressed in all black to start the show. And it's just kind of Rollins thanking the fans for playing a small part in making him who he is today. Playing his kind of arrogant self. And then Murphy being on the right side of history. And Rollins giving them credit for almost pulling a fast one on him last week, but it didn't work. 
and I put note on this, it's like, this is feeling like almost a straight-edge society type of thing. It's kind of like a cult that uh, Seth Rollins has created. Joe and KO come out late. It's less talking, more fighting. Rollins will say, it's like, we want to fight in the proper time and in the proper place. And Joe says he sees a Monday Night Messiah, but he really hears a lawyered asshat. Lawyered up asshat. I thought that was a really funny line. And he's t- he, Rollins urges him to come down and dance with Destiny. And KO and Joe say they don't they didn't come alone. The Viking Raiders show up, and then Rollins leaves. Somebody from AOP eats a stunner, and Murphy eats a Uranagi from Joe. Rollins and his cronies backpedal back to the back. We get... The next match, we get Rollins... Not Rollins. Rey Mysterio versus Andrade for the United States Championship. And, uh... Joseph... Vic Joseph said this is the first one since 2007. I'm pretty sure this is the first one since... He said 2007. And if it serves me, if, if I'm correct, it was Jeff Hardy versus Carlito for the Intercontinental Championship. That was the last mat- ladder match on Monday Night Raw for, the, for a title. This was a... I thought this was an alright ladder match, kind of some... Botched spots, including a like Hurricane Rana from the ladder. Ray almost landed on his head at one point. Uh, late in the match, Andrade gets sent outside. Ray up, goes up top, but Zelina's sitting up there. Zelina slaps him. Andrade hits a hammerlock DDT through a ladder, and Andrade, in all honesty, looked like he got the worst of it. But Andre. Andrade grabs the title and retains. I thought this wasn't bad. It was wasn't one of the better ladder matches I've seen. It was all right, but uh, Andrade pulls up the ring post match. He goes to do the hammerlock DDT, but a masked man comes out, a luchador from the crowd. It's Humberto returning. Humberto and Andrade brawl, and Andrade backpedals to the back and. And it's going to be Andrade versus Humberto for the United States Championship coming up at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. I don't know if it's going to be on the kickoff show or on the main show. I'm assuming they're going to do the kickoff show, but from the looks of it, it's probably going to be on the main show because Shorty G and Sheamus don't feel like it has enough build. Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I don't really know. I I I'd place my bets on the pre-show or kickoff show because we got Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. You know that's going to be on the main show. You know Becky Lynch and Oscar Oscar well, is going to be on the main show. So we got one, two, the Bray Wyatt match that's going to definitely be on the main show. So we got what five, six matches on the main show, including the two Royal Rumble matches. So Wyatt, Lynch, Reigns and Bailey, that's going to be all on the main show. I'm assuming this is going to be on the kickoff. We get a nice Martin Luther King tribute after that. And then after that, we get Aleister Black versus a jobber, and that ends very quickly with a black mass. I didn't like that. I get they're trying to establish him as someone dominant heading into the Royal Rumble. He could be the dark, he could be a dark horse heading into that match. I, I don't mind him 
having a really good performance in that match. Who knows, he might eliminate Brock, but I really think it should be Drew McIntyre. And I, I just didn't think this match, in all honesty, did anything for him. It was just kind of a tune-up match before the Royal Rumble. But after that, we get Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar out, and Heyman is talking how Brock's going to come out and win the Royal Rumble, eliminating 29 other men, and he's saying no one's worthy to main event a pay-per-view with Brock, and... Heyman asks the question of anyone being worthy. Ricochet comes out, says Heyman talks quite a bit, which is true. Heyman then tells Ricochet, I'm paraphrasing here, he's kind of lunch meeting to go back to the back before he gets hurt. And Ricochet's claiming, claiming he's not afraid to enter the ring with Brock. And he enters the ring, challenges Brock to fight right now. And Brock then proceeds to kick him in the gut and leaves. And Brock says, he gets on the mic and he gets this, he gives this one-liner, I'm not scared, and then leaves. He did that same thing last week with R-Truth. I liked how they continued that this week with Brock. And uh, yeah, Ricochet's going to be in the Royal Rumble this Sunday, so it should be interesting if they have any interaction coming up. Then we get Charlie with Randy Orton and asks what he thinks about people saying McIntyre is on par with him to win the Rumble. I honestly didn't get much from this other than Orton saying RKO. After that, we get a Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre match. And McIntyre one time Claymore the timekeeper. That was pretty funny. Uh, late in the match... Uh, McIntyre goes for the Claymore, power slam by Orton near fall, and then a superplex from Orton. Orton falls outside of the ring, and then OC comes down and beats that, tries to beat down McIntyre and Orton with a chair. McIntyre hits a Claymore on Carl Anderson, then a chair to Gallows, and it's going to be a DQ win for McIntyre heading into the Royal Rumble. It's a no contest. Orton does think about hitting McIntyre with the chair. And then Orton calls McIntyre a tough SOB. Kind of a mutual respect thing. I get that coming into the Royal Rumble. Both of them will probably have an interaction or two during that big battle royal. McIntyre does a nod and obliges. Orton fakes him out. Hits an RKO on McIntyre. The slithery viper doing what he does. And McIntyre, as Orton's walking away, says, I should have claymored you. (laughs) Says that RKO was... Well, he cuts a promo. Yeah, he cuts a promo after that, I mean. And McIntyre pretty much says he could have claymore. He should have claymored you and said the RKO was on me. And he says it's not going to happen at the Rumble coming up this Sunday. And he's going to claymore Orton's head off his shoulders. I love I love it when McIntyre talks. And then he'll main event WrestleMania. Let's all hope so, McIntyre. Let's all hope so. And we get Charlie backstage with Charlotte. Says she's she's prepared to face anything. And then Becky interrupts her. And I... Okay. Raw at this point, I don't know what happened. But I was watching this show. And this thing, this show felt like it was dragging on for forever. 
especially in the third hour. The third hour, this thing dragged on for what seemed like an eternity. But let's let's continue before I get too off uh, too off kilter, off topic. Becky Lynch cuts a promo, said Asuka did her a favor, made her see things clearer than ever. It was an effective promo from Becky here. Uh, she addresses the last time they faced each other and how Becky rocket shipped and Asuka kind of floundered and was making YouTube videos about making soup. Pretty much says you can't beat me anymore, drops the mic. Like I said, it was pretty simple, pretty effective here. And we get Kyrie Sane versus Becky Lynch. It's an all right match. Becky wins with the disarmer, and then we it gets her ready and tuned up, ready for the Royal Rumble, ma- Royal Rumble, her Royal Rumble match against Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. One of the matches I'm most looking forward to on this Sunday's pay-per-view, and I'll have that review up for you on Tuesday. Give me enough time to get it recorded and edited for all of you. But yeah, I will have that. I'll have my review for the Royal Rumble up on Tuesday morning for you. Then we get a tribute to Rocky Johnson video. We get Shriver with Asuka, and Asuka is just kind of speaking Japanese, and we don't understand what she's saying. And Asuka gets asked if she, if her if this is the kind of champ she wants to be. Well, Asuka before that uh, took out. Becky Lynch, as soon as the bell rang after Kyrie tapped out, she hit a shining wizard on Becky Lynch. And then Becky gets also gets hit with a kick in the head by Asuka. And that's what she's addressing there. And then Asuka says at the Royal Rumble that she that Becky Lynch is not ready for her. Simple yet effective. We get Rollins and Murphy with AOP versus the Viking Raiders with KO and Joe for the tag championships. And late in the match, Murphy and Rollins double team power bomb almost gets it done for him. But Ivar tags Eric, power bomb. Rollins knocks Ivar off the rope, V trigger onto Eric. Rollins then hits a stomp with the ref distracted, pinned by Murphy. And we have new Raw Tag Team Championships just like. Tag team champions, just like that, just like a snap of the finger, and it's kind of surprising result. But this makes Rollins's group strong, and it ends what was a honestly pretty disappointing tag team championship reign from the Viking Raiders. And at least it gets all, it gets on it gets the titles on someone interesting now, as Rollins's group is probably one of the most interesting things in WWE at this point. I just thought it was a little bit early for the Viking Raiders to lose, but kudos for them for going all in on this group. And we get a post-match interview. Fighting, say, Rollins saying, fighting the good fight is paying off. Rollins is saying this is just the beginning and he's going to win the Royal Rumble this Sunday, winning it for back-to-back years. We hit the Monday after the weekend update after this, and it was just a recap of crap again. I I, I don't really like these segments. It, they're entertaining, Dawkins and Ford are, but what are they doing? It's just they seem like they're doing these. They're doing the same thing they've been doing since they were called, well, they were kind of brought in during their NXT run 
It's just recapping crap. I'm not really interested in seeing them recap crap. I'm here. I'm there to see them talk, go in the ring, talk, fight, and that's it. I don't really care to see these segments recapping crap. It was kind of pointless, and one of the one point I get from it was the Morrison and Miz. Dawkins talking about he doesn't like reboots, but then he's like, oh, he sees them and he likes the reboots. But Truth also in there giving his analysis on the Royal Rumble. But yeah, some incoherent thing from our truth I, I just didn't really like this at all. And then another thing I didn't like, up next was Matt Hardy versus Eric Rowan. Matt gets squashed here. Rowan gets bit by his whatever thing in the cage. And he beats the ring steps with it. And Iron Claw gets it done for Rowan. Then we get a recap of events with Liv, Lana, Lashley, and Rusev. KO and Joe tell us that they're entering the Rumble. Mojo backstage interview. That gets interrupted by the Bollywood boys and uh, Raleigh beats the living snot out of both of them. Not very interesting. Like I said, this third hour, this third hour of Raw stunk. This third hour of Raw straight up just stunk awfully and just made the whole show drag on. And this is just comes back to the issues they used they usually have is the third hour. And yes, this third hour was terrible. Lashley and Lana versus Rusev and Liv Morgan and all I need to say is Lashley and Lana win yet again and I don't understand this at this point Lana and Rusev not Lana and Rusev but Rusev and Liv look like complete dorks and this was pretty rushed it seemed like we got like less than 10 minutes of this match it's like maybe 10 minutes and honestly this was the dumbest way they could have done they could have promoted the Royal Rumble that's the closing segment for your Royal Rumble pay-per-view. One of your, I'd say, the number two pay-per-view of the year. Number th- Maybe number three behind SummerSlam. But number, one of your biggest pay-per-views of, of the year. And you promote, that's, and that's how you close out the show, is with a mixed tag match that has nothing to do with the Royal Rumble coming up this Sunday. Just beyond me. And the lack of bill before for the women's Royal Rumble has been absolutely atrocious. We hardly know who it, hardly know any entrance coming into the Royal Rumble for the women's match. Literally, I, I from what I've looked at, I'm just kind of scrolling Wikipedia right now. But literally, five people have been announced for the Royal Rumble for the women. Five women have been announced. Five of the thirty. The men's they've had twenty-five of the thirty announced. Lack of build for this Women's Royal Rumble has been kind of bad. And you know what? I'm kind of getting tired of WWE waiting to promote the matches up until the Royal Rumble. They, the, Not the Royal Rumble, pay-per-views in general. They literally wait till the last minute to schedule some of these matches. Why don't you schedule stuff ahead of time? Marketing, marketing these matches ahead of time gets people to buy the network. I'm just saying, it gives enough consistency in the mind, enough frequency, and that'll reach the masses if you put them, you promote these matches ahead of time. And yet they still don't. The closing hour of the third hour of Raw just stunk it up for me. I didn't like it. 
Let's move on to AEW Dynamite. Something a little bit better. They were on the Norwegian Pearl this week on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager Part 2. And we kick it off with a tag team title match. We get a surprise tag team title change here. Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega defeat Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And late in the match, Scorpio Sky hit a V-trigger, an SEU later. Page makes the save, saves Kenny by throwing Kazarian onto him. Page pulls Kenny over to tag himself in. Page throws Scorpio Sky outside the ring. Buckshot lariat by Page onto Sky, onto outside, and then inside the ring. He hits one on Kaz, and that gets it done. New tag champs. Kind of a surprise here, but really, I thought it was a nice surprise. I I really, I honestly thought SCU was going to retain here, but I'm okay with this. And this is, and we get later get a segment where it furthers the issues between Page and his elite comrades. But the elite come down to celebrate. Page kind of does his own thing, celebrates, crowd surfs, drinks beer on his own. And yeah, we got new tag champs, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. After that, we get Priscilla Kelly versus Britt Baker. It's an okay match. Kelly ends up tapping to Baker after a lockjaw. And this really kind of lacked any drama. The crowd kind of was not all that into this. But we get a pretty interesting promo from Britt Baker after the match. He's with Tony Schiavone. Baker telling Schiavone that this is his meal ticket. He was working at Starbucks before this. And calls him a blanky barista. And these fans look up to her. And Baker says it's a full-time job to be a role model and says she's pretty much the hottest girl on this boat right now. And before she finishes her promo, JR completely cuts her off and sends it to break. I thought this, it was a pretty quick turn here. I, I didn't, I, I didn't mind it, but at the same time, I wish they would have taken a little bit more time on this and had Baker kind of be a slow, slower burn, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. And... Yeah, I, I felt like they could have done this a little bit better. Baker did cut a fine promo there, but I just felt like this could have been done better with a kind of a slower build. Up next, we get Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt versus Proud and Powerful. And Chris Jericho, Stunt, he came out with a life jacket on on this. I thought that was pretty funny, but later in the match... Jungle Boy stops a superplex attempt by Jericho. Hits a flying crossbody. Jericho then prevents him from getting into the corner. Double team offense from Santana and Ortiz. Exchange Poison Rana on Ortiz. Luchasaurus comes in, gets a hot tag, all fired up, destroying everyone with kicks and strikes. Double choke slam. Moonsaw onto Jericho gets a very close near fall. Hager then tries to get involved. They brawl. Hager and Luchasaurus brawl to the back. They fight up the stage. Stunt hits a 450 on Jericho, rolls and rolls him up for near falls, but then Jericho comes out of nowhere with that Judas Effect elbow, and they get it done. They win the tag match. I didn't mind this. This was all good, some good fun six-man tag action. Proud and fair, powerful win along with Jericho. 
And Mar uh, Marco's stunt looked really good here, and I thought this match was just pretty enjoyable. We get an MJF Cody video highlighting their rivalry. MJF then has a match with Joey Janela. I, I thought this match was okay for what it was. Later in the match, Janela hits a superplex. And MJF does oversell it a little bit. He does, MJF did oversell some stuff last week, but it was entertaining stuff. Janela goes up top for the big, big, big elbow drop. Kip Sabian and Penelope Cruz, Penelope Ford come out, make out on top of the stage. He gets distracted, does Janela. MJF avoids the elbow, hits the crossroads on Janela. Nice sell there from Joey and uh, cocky pin from MJF. And MJF gets the win. He continue, it continues the issues with Janela and Sabian. And then, like I said, it was okay for what it was. We get a post-match promo from MJF. And then he calls Cody a poet and a lyricist. And then he addresses the another chapter in the book thing that Cody said last week. Said he was right. And MJF says he's going to be the last chapter. Cody shows up. He just stands there and looks at MJF. And MJF's like, oh, you can't touch me, rule. Can't touch me. And he's sincerely, he says he's sincerely sorry about that. He says that with a lisp. Kind of an a-hole thing to do from MJF, but that's what we're used to from him. He gives Cody the floor, drops the mic in front of him, kicks it off like a petulant child, and leaves, <laughs> tears Cody to punch him. MJF then leaves the ring after Cody grabs the mic. Cody says, I can't touch you, but oh, these guys can. And it's Matt and Nick Jackson out there getting ready to super kick MJF. They super kick him. And then Cody suggests they throw MJF into the pool on the cruise ship. And the Bucks go ahead and they do it. They send MJF into the pool as Wardlow's not there because he's training for his cage match coming up with Cody. And uh, this was kind of a nice nostalgia trip to WCW and their batch at the beach shows. Well, not, I don't know if it's a batch at the beach shows, but it was kind of a, there was that one time where they had a pool by the ring. And it, it was a, it was it was a nice little throwback to that. I thought this was a fun segment, and I liked how Cody was being smart with those stipulations and using them to his advantage. We get Tony Schiavone with Adam Page and Kenny Omega. They talk about what they did special. Page says, "I whipped both of their asses," and he said he's going to. He said he was going to, and then Omega addresses Pack, and he says Pack will get his match, and Page. Then he keeps getting interrupted by either Omega or his uh, elite comrades in the Young Bucks. And Page says he's surprised that he won these things faster than the Bucks did. And it kind of continues the tensions between the both the Bucks and Hangman Adam Page and the elite in general. Now it's for next week. Private Party and Darby Allen versus Jericho and Proud and Powerful. The Bucks versus the Butcher, Blade, and the Bunny. Excuse me. Kip versus Kip Sabian versus Cody. That's all announced for next week. John Moxley versus Pack in a number one contenders match is the main event of the show. This is a fun main event. It was kind of, we kept going to the stuff where Moxley's eye was getting worked. A couple of times, actually, Pack hit a jawbreaker 
on Moxley's eye. I thought that was a nice little touch there. And later in the match, a brutalizer gets reversed into a near fall. Inseguri by Pack kicks from Pack, running drop kick. Pack goes for a 450. Mox gets his knees up. A rear naked choke attempt gets thwarted and blocked. A rebound following that was a rebound German by Pack. Black arrow misses. Pack then grabs at his knee. Pack hits a super kick. Pump kick misses. Gets countered. Double arm DDT from Mox. Gets a long two count. And in Mox goes up top. Pack hits a superplex on him. Brutalizer is locked in after that. Mox is able to get his foot to the rope. Pack removes the band the initial bandage that Mox was wearing over his eye and pounds Moxley's eye inside cradle Moxley. Another DDT for Mox, but then we get the paradigm shift. From Mox, and that's gonna make it that's gonna make Mox the number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and he'll face off against Chris Jericho at Revolution. And I like the I like the selling of Mox in this match as he's kind of having a hard time seeing out of that eye. At the end of it, he was kind of trying to find his place in the ring. I thought it was I thought that was good. And it, it was a fun main event to end the show, and we get Mox versus Jericho coming up at Revolution. Overall, this is a pretty good AEW show. I didn't think it was better than last week. Last week was a very good show, I thought, from AEW. Not quite up to the level of last week's show, but still very enjoyable. And But there was one thing I was noticing during the show as this was pre-taped on the Jericho Cruise. There was points in the audio that the crowd would get bleeped out because they were saying something inappropriate, and it would cut off commentary, which would sound kind of all jumbled up. I thought that was kind of annoying, but still, an enjoyable st- show. MJF stuff with Cody was really fun. The Jericho match, the six-man match was good, and the tag opener was pretty good. And Honestly, the only bad thing I thought from this show and was the Baker stuff, Baker turn, which I felt was kind of not built up enough before this show, but still, Baker did cut a pretty interesting promo, pretty fun promo. And to end the week, we got NWA Power. It's a super show, tab the super show before hard times, and we open it up with Dave Marquez with Robert Gibson, and pretty much telling, he told Marquez that it feels like he wanted a Christmas present because his friend gets a shot at the 10 pounds of gold against Nick Aldis. The first match of the show includes Tasha Steeles versus Thunder Rosa, the first match of this hour and a half NWA power. Rosa ends up winning the match, a rematch from hard, from not hard times, from into the fire in dominant fashion. I liked it, and it actually is going to set up later a match at hard times with Allison K for the NWA Women's World Championship, but a Michinoku-like driver from Rosa gets the win. Steels showed some good fight, but Rosa seemed like she had an answer for everything in that match. I thought it was all right. Rosa gets a dominant win heading into hard times into her match with Allison K for the NWA Women's World Championship. And following that, we get pretty much what I said. Marquez asked Molina. Ask, gets asked Molina what her plans are tonight. Rosa says Molina is the only one who knows, and he should ask her. 
and we get an announcement that all this is coming to free enterprise for Ring of Honor. I like this NWA Ring of Honor crossover. It gives Ring of Honor some uh, more of a rub and it also gives NWA a bit of a rub. But he says all this wants fa- NWA fans to show up to Baltimore as it's a free enterprise, free show, and he says he'll be there. Then we get Galley with Royce Isaacs and Mae Valentine, and he asks how Nick all this is preparing. He's pretty much saying Nick, he's doing pretty great, and Isaac says the stocks of Strictly Business are on the rise, and then a Galley addresses the losing streak of Isaacs, which was it's kind of important at this point because this group is not doing too hot other than Nick Aldis. The wildcards are losing a lot of matches, and Isaacs pretty much avoids the question. He's only worried about the stock going up. And he says the common denominator is May, Valentine, Marquez says that, oh, Galley says that. And then get then Isaacs takes it the wrong way and says, are you implying that I'm losing because May and I haven't slept together? And <laughs> May says it's okay to wait, and he'll always be a winner to her. But I like how he's addressing, Galley's addressing this because this group's supposed to be a dominant group, and yet Isaacs is taking losses left and right, and then Latimer does take a loss here in the next match against Trevor Murdoch in a TV title qualifier. Well, a TV tur- TV title tournament qualifier match. Uh, Murdoch gets dominated from the jump, and Latimer's controlling it late in the match. Pop-up powerbomb almost gets it done, for Latimer, but Latimer misses a clothesline in the corner, and then Murdoch just rolls him up, being crafty veteran that he is. He rolls him up with the tights and gets the win, and it's just a bad night for Strictly Business so far, and Murdoch's crafty there, and he gets the win. He's surprised that he won. Uses the tights in that, but I liked it. Crafty win there from Murdoch to get into the TV title tournament. Then we get Allison Kay and Molina meeting face-to-face. And Molina drops an F-bomb during this promo, says, I'll take as long as I want, and you can, you can just bleep and listen. And I noticed on this interview, Kay is very impatient. And we get Kay versus Thunder Rosa at the pay-per-view for the title. And Kay says, oh, let's do it now. But first, before the... Four hard times. She has to beat her friend Marty, her former friend Marty Bell, in a no DQ match. And we get Allison K versus Marty Bell in the no DQ match coming up next. They're talking on commentary how Melina is a puppet master and she's controlling everything. But Bell, he, she's in control early on in this match. Bell uses a chair at one point, drops K face first on the steps. Like I said, grabs a chair, fights for a moment. Bell then wedges Kay's head in a chair and kind of does a uh, accolade-like maneuver, camel clutch, in the in the chair for a moment. Bell then goes for a knee and a prone Kay in a chair outside the ring. Kay avoids it. And they fight up in the crowd. Chest punches from Kay, and then back in the ring, Bell pleads Kay not to hit her with the chair. Kay drops it. She thinks about it. She's like, oh, I'm sorry for like her friend. She feels bad. And then Bell tries to grab it. And Kay has no, wants none of it. Dominator-like move. Drops Bell face first on the chair. And Kay gets the win. I like it. I like this aggressive side of Allison Kay and Marty Bell. I like this kind of aggressive style match. And I th- thought this was pretty fun while it lasted. And I enjoyed the brawl-like atmosphere that this uh, brought out. And then 
we're going to get Allison K versus Thunder Rosa this Friday at at uh, Hard Times. We're also getting Flip Gordon and Nick Aldis in that one, but uh, Nick Aldis at that pay-per-view. And the TV title tournament will be the main focal point of that show. And we get a video recapping the events to Morton and Aldis for the title. Pope and Eddie Kingston are then with Marquez. And then Marquez is talking to Pope about the loss and says he didn't just lose. He just put he just puts people in position to succeed. And Kingston and then they're ta- they're addressing the point where Homicide probably shouldn't have had his match as he was in been in the match and they in, as he injured his shoulder before before and Pope says he's still on the search for his superpowers and says when he does he'll bring change to the NWA and Kingston said they shouldn't have really had the match like I said earlier and if there's no one to blame for it and tells the fans we don't lose we learn and he's not going to enter this last chance gauntlet for the TV title because Homicide is his bro and it says his heart's with him. We get Davis replacing Galley on commentary. We get Marquez with Aaron Stevens. And he gives a self-defense demonstration. This was hilarious. A question mark. He has two, uh, two dummies to take out. And he's he's cutting a promo. He almost cuts a promo during these. And he kind of going through the demonstration. I thought this was absolutely hilarious. If you are watching anything back from NWA Power, it's definitely the stuff with Aaron Stevens this week is it was pretty funny and late in the later in the uh, kind of segment question mark trying to break the break the big board and Mark question mark hesitates twice to do it. He goes for the third. Stevens says he's not ready. To get his fourth, he says he's ready to get his fourth degree black belt. He tries to go and hesitates twice on it, also. And it turns out one of the dummies is Ricky Starks. He Ricky Starks drills Stevens with the board, hits him in the back and breaks it. Actually, he doesn't break the board, but he hits him in the back with it. And like I said, after he unmasks, it's Ricky Starks. And then Starks pretty much says, he never forgets. And he addresses the history between him and uh, Question Mark and Aaron Stevens. We get a last chance gauntlet battle royal for a spot in the TV title tournament coming up at hard times. And opponents can get eliminated, I didn't know this, by pinfall or submission or by going over the top rope. Late in the match... It's the question mark coming out because Stevens is hiding under the ring. Stevens jumps out, jumps from behind. Question mark hits, tries to hit a Mongrovian spike on on a, both a Cabana and Anderson, but he misses. He hits Stevens, and Stevens just goes completely like strict, like straight as a board, like bouncing off the ropes, bouncing off the ropes, goes face first. Cabana and Anderson throw him out, and Anderson and then Cabana. Anderson event like immediately rolls up Cabana to win, uses the tights. They try to shake hands and hug, but Anderson then knees him in the gut, hits a mic check on Cabana, and this ultimately ends the friendship between 
Anderson and Cabana. Cabana was trying to be the nice guy, trying to be a friend. He still believed in him, but Anderson, just a a-hole that he is, he mic checks him, and then he mic checks him again onto the onto the ring post outside of the ring. And this goes this completes the uh, betrayal for Mr. Anderson. He betrays his friend in Colt Cabana. I liked it. It was about time they did it, and I think this was the right time to do it, especially in this Battle Royal situation. And Mr. Anderson's in the TV title tournament now. Like I said, it was a fun gauntlet. But after that, we get another fun thing with Marquez, with James Storms, and Eli Drake. They're addressing Murky Morton's title shot coming up uh, later in the show. But it says, Storm says he's going to climb up back the back up the ropes, back up the ladder. But it's really about Morton tonight. And it says, underdogs can always beat the big dog if he has the drive and will and heart. And he uses a Ricky Bobby reference where he's saying Morton's all jacked up on Mountain Dew. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And it really was a fun promo from James Storm. And he gives a prayer. And he's pretty much saying, give Ricky Morton the strength to kick Nick Aldis' butt all over here. And then Eli Drake says, Aldis wants him to stay. Aldis was talking about the snakes and people backstage in America or whatever. But Aldis, uh, Drake wants him to stay so he can take American ass whoopings for the rest of his life. These two got great chemistry, I think. And they're guys, these are fun guys. These are both very good promos and I enjoyed it a lot. Breaking news. We get two open slots. Matt Cross will be the one guy entering the tournament, taking on Ricky Starks. Two kind of outsiders are allowed into this TV title tournament. Then we get Quinn McKay from Ring of Honor announcing who will rep ROH in the TV title tourney. It turns out to be Dan Moff. And Moff cuts a promo after that. And Moff will take on Zicky Dice in the first round of the TV title tournament coming up at hard times. And then we get Flip Gordon talking about Nick Aldis. He's saying, you come into my house, I come into yours. And pretty much tells Aldis that he's not the same kid that he he saw two years ago. Says he's a mercenary. And says he's coming for him. We find out also during this breaking news portion that if Morton wins, Morton will defend the NWA title at hard times against Flip. But if Aldis wins, tag titles will be defended against two teams and the wild cards and James Storm and Eli Drake. So that it, this upcoming match will decide the challenger, decide the matches coming up at hard times. And we also find out that Aaron Stevens will defend his NWA National, well, third degree national championship against Scott Steiner. Nick Aldis with Strictly Business in the main event. It's Nick Aldis with Strictly Business versus Ricky Morton with Robert Gibson for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Corgan, Billy Corgan's on commentary, but Corgan then whispers to Bennett something. Beforehand, Bennett announces that both the man well the managers for both strictly business and Ricky Morton are banned from ringside more uh Corgan wants a clean match and a fair match 
and we do get that for quite a while. Ricky Morton, he dominates the action for a good portion of this. Late in the match, Aldis goes up top. They trade punches. Aldis goes for an axe handle, gut shot Morton. Scoop slam Aldis. He goes back up top. Morton then dumps him. Hurricane Rana almost gets the three count, gets the upset. Morton goes for a figure four leg lock. Aldis gets to the rope. Morton goes for a small package. Aldis reverses it into his own small package, uses the tights, gets the win, sneaks away with the NWA World's Championship. And this was a good match to end the show. It worked to both men. It worked to Ricky Morton's strengths. Didn't have him take too many bumps. The only bump, really big bump he took was a scoop slam. And I thought this was a good showing from Ricky Morton and for his age especially. And then Nick Aldis carrying the action really but I all this being the sneaky heel he is and kind of playing off his heel persona now and he gets the win he'll take on Flip Gordon like I said at NWA hard times this coming Friday we get a villain enterprises video telling Marty telling Nick oh Marty's like I'm gonna be there this Friday he'll see you in Atlanta but nice build up to hard times on this show I thought this was a really good NWA power. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Everything made sense, like I said. And stuff we're getting we're getting stuff leading up to the pay-per-view build up. We're getting proper build to matches for the pay-per-view, unlike what WWE WWE did last week. Well, this last week on Raw to promote the Royal Rumble. Especially the women's one. But that's going to do it for the weekend review. My weekly rankings, it's going to be at the bottom with Monday Night Raw at number three. Number two, AEW Dynamite. And for the second for uh, for the second time in three weeks, it's NWA Power taking the cake. They're going to be number one for this week. NWA Power at number one. I just thought it was a more enjoyable show. And I had a lot of fun with it. AEW was still pretty good, pretty good, just not quite to the level of last week's show in Raw. That last, that third hour just really killed it for me this week. But NWA Power wins the rankings this week. Number two, AEW Dynamite, and then number three, Monday Night Raw. But make sure to tune in on Tuesday. I'll have my Royal Rumble review up for you the grades and my analysis for that show the review of the Royal Rumble 2020 crazy to think we're in the year 2020 still we're a month in and I'm still just very very shocked but before I go make sure to follow me on the socials Facebook and Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestle and if you haven't already tell your friends to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean Apple Podcast and on Spotify, Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. Until next time, it's Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.